Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Paul said he was shipwrecked. He said he was beaten three times. Five times he was beaten with 39 stripes. He was in perils of water, he says in 2 Corinthians 11. Perils of robbers, perils of his own countrymen. He went to prison often. He had physical infirmities that bothered him for the rest of his life. He was often cold and often naked and often in fasting. And he calls those light afflictions. I would not put those in the light category. Paul says, my light afflictions. But the reason, listen, I really believe this. The reason why Paul could call them light afflictions or light sufferings is because he understood that there was a purpose behind the suffering. You see, suffering is purposeless if you don't understand that there is a purpose behind the sufferings. What's the point in suffering if if there's no purpose to it? But if we understand that there is a purpose in our suffering, well, then we can endure the suffering. You understand? We can endure it at that time. So Paul would then say, I considered, I reckon, I calculated that the sufferings of Christ or these sufferings that we go through are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. As Christians, listen, we are going to suffer. Now, I know that goes in the face of popular teaching today. When's the last time you heard a teaching on suffering? Yeah, it kind of even sound right anymore, does it? Today, my sermon title will be Suffering. People are like, um, look at the time. <laughs> I go. People don't want to suffer. When in fact, Jesus said, He says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer because what? I've overcome the world. Jesus told his disciples, you are going to suffer. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, yes, all who live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Shall suffer persecution. In this life, we are going to have trials. We are going to have suffering. But God uses those sufferings. God uses those trials. You know, there are some people, if God didn't allow suffering in their life, they would never give their life to him. You know anybody like that? If God didn't allow pain to come into your life, you would never pray. You know, you want to get a prayer life? Go through something. I'm amazed at people, they're praying, oh Lord, I just want to get a prayer life. Lord, I just want to be a man, a woman of prayer. God says, okay, here's a little bit of suffering for you. You're like, that's not quite what I was thinking. (laughs) I was thinking something a little bit different. You see, God uses suffering. 
You know, it was C.S. Lewis who said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Isn't that true? God uses suffering. Now listen, there are three things you can do in the midst of suffering. One of three of three things that you can do in the midst of suffering. Number one, if you're taking notes, you write this down. You can break out. Number two, you can break down when you're going through a suffering and a trial. Or you can break through. You can break out. You can break down or you can break through. Listen, if you break out, you rebel and you break out of God's boundaries that God has set for you and you run from your problems. You will grow bitter. You will grow hateful and you will grow hard. If you break down, which is what we see largely in the world today. People are breaking down. Have you noticed that? There are more prescriptions for antidepressants today than there ever has been in the history of our country. People are depressed. People are caught up in self-pity. People are neurotic nowadays. People are breaking down. You can break down. You can break out or saints listen by the grace of God. You can break through. And what do you mean, Rodney, when you talk about breakthrough? I mean this. You can break through by accepting. Watch this. This is going to blow your mind. You can break through by accepting the fact that this world ain't heaven. And because the world ain't heaven, you're always going to have trials. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be pain in this world. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be rising gas prices. I'm telling you, I went to get some gas the other day. I almost broke down. I'm like, three dollars a gallon. Oh, God! Why? 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 I almost broke down. I'm like, goodness gracious. And then I have to remember... There'll be no cars in heaven. (laughs) There'll be no gas prices in heaven. There'll be no cars in heaven. Amen. Ain't no what? No diets in heaven. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because we're going to get new bodies. They're all going to be perfect. Amen. This world's not heaven, saints. Listen, we're always going to have problems. There's always going to be suffering. But God is using those problems and God is using the suffering for a purpose. If you want glory, you're going to have to have some suffering. Why? Because listen, glory and suffering, listen, glory and suffering are twin truths. They are twin truths, glory and suffering. No suffering, no glory. No pain, somebody said. What, saints? No gain. Somebody else once wrote, I like this one, no hurts, no hallelujahs. I like that. They go together. James chapter 1 verse 2 tells us to count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now listen, as we move forward, notice in the next section here, Beginning in verse 19, Paul gives us three things that are constantly reminding us that there is a glory coming. 
that has not yet been revealed. Number one, creation is groaning. We talked about this. We read it in verse 19 through 22. Go ahead and look at it again in verse 19. For the earnest expectation of creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. This word, saints, if you're taking notes, earnest expectation literally means with outstretched neck. Or like someone standing on their tippy toes expecting something to happen. Paul is saying that creation is waiting with outstretched necks, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, creation is expecting and eagerly, with outstretched necks, waiting to be redeemed and brought back to its original intention. All of creation is waiting for a time when Jesus, listen, will come back and set up his set up his kingdom and make everything that is wrong right. Because at the fall, Genesis chapter three, a part of the fall and the penalty of sin. Watch this was a universal curse upon the earth. Genesis chapter three, right about verse 14 tells us when Abraham sinned, God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle and every beast of the field. God said to the serpent, you will move about on your bellies and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and you shall bruise his heel. Then God said to the woman, I will greatly multiply your conception in sorrow and you shall bring forth children. Do you realize before the fall, women were to have children without pain? There was no such thing as labor pain in the garden before the fall. Ladies, wouldn't that be a blessing? Say amen. But because of the fall, That brought about labor pain. That's what God said. He says, I'm going to greatly multiply your conception in sorrow and you shall bring forth children and your desire shall be to your husband and you and he shall rule over you. And then God said to the man, Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree, which I commanded that you not eat. Cursed is the ground for your sake and and of sorrow. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, until you return to the ground, for out of it the ground you were taken, and dust you are, and dust shall you return. And so the Bible tells us, out of the ground God made every tree that was pleasant and good. And can you imagine the the garden scene? Everything was beautiful. Can you imagine fruit trees in the garden? Big old peaches. And God said it was good. They were just good. I'd like to bite into one of them peaches. Just bite it up. (laughs) Bet you God was like, Adam, wait till you taste this. Because it was good. And roses without thorns... Because thorns are a part of the curse. Big, probably six foot roses. You can stand under them and get shade. 
They were beautiful. Everything in the garden was perfect. And when Adam and Eve fell, all of creation fell and it remained in that state until today. And saints, listen, all of creation is groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The earth right now is in labor. And it has been for thousands of years. Ladies, you can't even imagine being in labor for a thousand years. Can you imagine? You think, oh, I've been in labor for 10 hours. How about thousands of years? The earth has been in labor, is groaning and waiting to be redeemed. God's going to redeem the earth. God is going to save, if you will, the earth. You know, you've got a lot of groups out there who are trying to save the earth and save the planet. And don't misunderstand me. I think we need to take care of the earth and we shouldn't be irresponsible and do crazy stuff because we got to stay here at least till Jesus comes. Then after we all go to heaven, who cares? And um, <laughs> just joking. And uh, but 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 let's get this thing in context here. I mean, saving the earth and Greenpeace and saving the whales and saving the spotted owl and all of that. Listen, all of the earth right now is not like it's supposed to be, not like it's going to be. So all of the things that we see right now, we can do our best to preserve, but we can't save it. Because all of the earth is groaning, waiting for the redemption, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. All of the earth is looking forward to the coming of Jesus. We're trying to save the spotted owl, and the spotted owl is in the tree saying, come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all didn't know spotted owls worship, did you? All of creation worships. The Bible teaches that the trees clap their hands unto our God. The swishing of the trees, the next time, it's a beautiful day, go out there, the next time you hear the trees going, shoo, shoo, with the wind, shoo, shoo, shoo. <laughs> Those are the trees doing what they were created to do, and they're worshiping God. And even in its existing state right now, it's groaning and waiting. All of creation, look at verse 20, is subject to futility, which literally means, are you looking at verse 20? Which literally means creation, listen, write this down, creation has not yet lived up to its purpose. It's subject to vanity. It's subject to futility. Creation will be delivered from the corruption of bondage or the bondage of corruption. This phrase bondage of corruption, saints, listen, is an accurate description of what scientists call the second law of, of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics teaches that everything, listen, is going from order to disorder. Everything is decaying. Everything is running down. Now, the evolutionist will tell you everything is slowly improving and evolving. Evolutionists will tell you that everything is going from less complex to more complex. The second law of thermodynamics defies evolution. And it says we are going from more complex to less complex. In other words, things are breaking down. Creation is in the bondage of corruption and has been in labor like birth pains or ceaseless labor even until now. Verse 22. But someday the Bible teaches Jesus is going to come back and establish his kingdom. First, pardon me, Isaiah 
chapter 11, verse 6 through 9. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leper will lie down, talking about the coming kingdom. And the leper will lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. And the nursing child will play by the hole of a cobra. And the weaned child in God's kingdom will put his hand on a viper's den. And they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, God says, for the earth will be full of what saints, the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea in God's kingdom. A child can play on a poisonous snake's den and not be harmed in God's kingdom. There will be peace in God's kingdom. We will study war no more in God's kingdom. Everybody's coming home from Iraq. All of our sons and our daughters and our fathers and mothers and uncles and aunts and children are coming home. There is no war in God's kingdom. It's a perfect kingdom. But right now, all of creation is waiting for Jesus to come. The rocks are waiting. The mountains are waiting. The oceans are waiting. You go down to a beach, pick up a seashell, put it up to your ear. And I bet you'd probably hear that seashell tell you, look, would you guys get your act together so Jesus could come? That would freak you out. <laughs> You're like, I need to cast a demon out of that shell. <laughs> Something ain't right. <laughs> Not only is creation groaning, our bodies are groaning. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's very, very true. Our bodies are groaning and we've been given the first fruits of the spirit. That word first fruit speaks of inheritance or installment or pledge for the final delivery, a guarantee. The Holy Spirit himself is the guarantee that we are going to be redeemed. Our bodies will be redeemed and we're waiting along with creation for the Lord to come and give us our new body. And just like creation is subject to futility, so is our bodies going from order to disorder. Man, a couple years ago, I wasn't even wearing glasses. And here I am now. I need them. But I don't have them. Y'all look fuzzy. I need my glasses. Why? Because we're going from order to disorder. Everything's changing. Our bodies are changing. Our bodies are groaning and waiting and asking God to one day set us free. For we are saved in this hope, Paul says. And this hope is the earnest expectation of something good. It's not like something you hope for. It's a blessed hope. It's something that is fixed. It's established. It's a part of our inheritance. It's not a maybe hope or an uncertain hope. It's a hope that is finished and completed. And so we continue to look for the coming of the Lord and the redemption. Not only do our bodies groan, but finally the spirit is groaning. In verse 26 through 27, go ahead and look at it again. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Notice, saint, it says the spirit helps with an S. If you see it, say amen. amen. He helps, which literally means he continually helps our infirmities or our weaknesses. 
So if the spirit is continually helping our infirmities and our weaknesses, that means that our infirmities and our weaknesses are continual. Amen. We have infirmities in ourselves. We have weaknesses in ourselves that the spirit of God helps us with. Now, specifically in the context of what we're talking about, the spirit helps us. Are you listening? The spirit helps us in this area of prayer because we don't even know. This is why I'm telling you we need the spirit of God in our life because we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know how to pray. The spirit helps us. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to teach our kids to pray. You know, you sit Johnny at the table. You say, Johnny, fold your hands and close your eyes so we can pray. Listen, that, that's not about prayer. That's about controlling him. You got to get him under control so his mind doesn't go everywhere. God doesn't care about the position of your body in prayer. God can, is concerned with the condition of your heart and the position of your heart. That's why the Bible says, are you listening? That's why we can pray without ceasing because we don't have to stop and fold our hands and close our eyes. If, if we had to stop and fold our hands and close our eyes, we would never go to work. We'd always be in prayer. But God says pray without ceasing. That means you can pray while you're walking. You can pray while you're riding. You can pray while you're driving. Pray while you're running. Pray while you're coming to church. Pray while you listen to Pastor Ronnie from iTunes. Pray, pray. You can just pray, pray, pray. You can pray without ceasing because God is concerned with the prayers and the condition and the position of our heart in prayer. And even in times when you don't know how to pray, the Spirit of God helps us to pray. Last year, I was pretty sick, as many of you know, and I had a bad year. It was a bad year. It was a bad You ever have a bad year? I tell the truth, you in church. You ever had a bad year? Good, we getting there. Tell the truth, you in church. We have a bad year? No. Each time I say that, more hands go up. It was a bad year. I mean, just I was sick and everything. And, you know, I just remember times where I was honestly so spiritually broken, so spiritually beaten down, physically beaten down, tired and, and, and just worn out. And I didn't know how to pray and I didn't even want to pray and I couldn't even get a prayer. I didn't seem like I get a prayer out of my mouth. And if I could get a prayer out of my mouth, it seemed like it went about as far as the ceiling. And the Bible says, listen, I'm going to wrap it up. I know. The Bible says that even in those times where you cannot even pray, that the Spirit of God prays for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. In other words, listen, this is going to help you. When you can't pray, all you got to do is groan. Now, I can groan. When you can't pray, you just say, God, I can't even pray. Oh, Lord. Lord, my husband. Mm. <laughs> oh, Lord, them kids. Oh, mm. <laughs> you just get right in that high pitch zone and, you know, man, you get that, that high pitch groan, you know. God's really listening now. And, and, and what happens is this. This is how it works out. Practically, listen, the Holy Spirit, when you groan, because you don't know how to pray, because you really can't, can, you can't get anything out. The Holy Spirit then takes the groanings. He takes them to the Father. And then the Holy Spirit interprets those groanings 
to the father, the father answers those prayers according to his will. You need to be, you need to say amen. Amen. Because isn't that awesome that we don't, you know, sometimes we think we got to say the right things and pray the right way. And, you know, if we don't say the right words, well, our prayers won't be answered because we got to name it, claim it, confess it, blab it, grab it. And we got to get it, you know, we got to get it all right. And if God, if we don't get it right, God, you know, God doesn't quite get it either. Listen, God gets it. This is why he's God. Because he gets it. He understands that you're frail and you're weak and you can't live without him. And he understands all that. And that's why when Jesus ascended, the spirit descended. And now he's the paraclete, the comforter to live within you, to lead you, teach you, and guide you in all truth. You can't live without him. You can't even pray without him. And when you find those times, that was good news for me. It's good news for me last year to read those words again. And I just started laying there sometime and I just go, Lord. Mm. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, took that. Mm. And God's answered my prayer. You know, how do I know? Because I'm better now. That's how I know. God answered my prayer. And sometimes it was just a. Mm. Sometimes I could pray and sometimes I couldn't. I'm a Christian for a long time now. And I think I'm just getting it after all these years. I I don't have it. I don't get it. I can't do it all by myself. I need him more than I need air. I need him more than I need food. And you need him too. And the more you lean on him, here's another thing I'm learning. The more you lean on him, the more you learn to lean on him. Can I get a witness? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Maybe a song.